Welcome, everyone. I am Patrick Lushwan, and I am your host of Faculty Stories Tell Me Your Why. In this podcast, I ask faculty to share what drives their work, what they do, what they do. This question not only gives context to the human stories that drive our mission, it also provides it life and purpose. In faculty affairs, our own why is to create an environment where every faculty member is seen in their whole identity, inundated with positive experiences throughout all stages of their career. This is why we shine a light on these extraordinary individuals. We complete each discussion by asking our guests for a piece of advice to share with the next generation of scholars. These unscripted conversations are as diverse and unique as each of the individuals, yet they have one thing in common, the passion that fuels the work of these educators, innovators, and public servants. Join me in following their stories. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning, Katie. Morning, it's such a pleasure to, get to have you today. Um, and I really thank you for joining us for the first uh, series of what I, call, I will call Tell Me You Why, Faculty Core Stories. And this is a short conversation with a series of faculty who are going to share why they do the work they do. So as we start, would you please introduce yourself and what position you hold at the university? I'm Carmen Quatman. I am an associate professor in the College of Medicine, and I'm an orthopedic trauma surgeon scientist. And specifically, I focus on uh, orthopedic trauma, fracture care, and geriatric orthopedics. Yeah, hi, I'm Katie Kwamnitz. I am Carmen's identical twin, but my position at Ohio State is in the Division of Physical Therapy in the College of Medicine. Um, I'm a physical therapist by clinical training and an implementation researcher uh, is my focus for my scholarship. When did you... um both join OSU. Sure. I, I initially started in 2011 as an orthopedic uh, resident, and then I uh, did a fellowship in Minnesota, and I returned back uh, in 2017, and Kitty and I actually both started as faculty on the same day, September 1st, 2017, as faculty. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I had actually done my PhD here. So I um, I graduated in 2006 in the College of Human Ecology with my PhD um, <laughs> and spent some years away before coming back in 2017 uh, to join as faculty. This is quite fascinating. So both of you started on the same day, had, you know, a little bit of a difference in your path. Um would you, and Katie, we'll start with you, would you share uh, the work that gets you excited uh, to get back to every morning? Yeah, so um, I guess my my story is a little different than a lot of people who get into academia um, in the sense that I actually did my PhD and then I went back and got another doctorate in a clinical field because I was really interested in merging, um, you know, the academic research side, I had a big passion for that, but I really wanted to make sure that the work that I had was having a real world impact. Um, and so that was one of the reasons I went back and got a clinical doctor to make sure that what I was doing had real world impact at the same time. So I really enjoy both the simultaneous process of learning and understanding and really enriching um, our, you know, a way of doing things. And at the same time, seeing that come to life in a real world setting. Um, and that honestly is part of what really keeps me going. Um, and especially as I start to see that happen among my PhD students, many of whom are clinicians themselves who get to see the work of helping a, a patient one-on-one, -on -one, but then seeing at scale 
what really enhancing um, our understanding and, and especially on the implementation side, what we can do makes a big difference, not just for the individual patient level, but you know, how it scales up to higher and higher levels at population health levels, ideally. Thank you for sharing, Katie. Carmen, what sure. do you want? Yeah, so um, I originally started a little bit different than, than Katie. I, I worked in a human performance laboratory right out of college, and I really loved the idea of training uh, athletes to stay healthy and not uh, have an injury. And from that why, uh, I decided to pursue an MD-PhD degree, and I did it in injury prevention research. So I explored a bunch of different ways for how to, to prevent injuries in young athletes. As I progressed through the years, I actually did residency, and I, I had some personal health issues, which I, I had surgery on both my knees at one time. And uh, trying to get into my house was a was horrifying. And I had this deep feel, uh, feeling of falling that I just couldn't shake. And so um, during that, I had this major transition and I wanted to help uh, trauma patients and geriatric patients specifically uh, learn to live safely in their home. And through that, I transitioned all of my research into uh, geriatric orthopedics and fall prevention. And uh, that my why uh, really started on allowing people to stay safely in their own home without this tremendous fear of living in their own home. And Katie and I eventually connected through this. Uh, I originally wrote a grant uh, when I first started back here at Ohio State and, and Katie read my grant. She said, we can't just stop here. We have to do a much bigger project together. And really that became my why. It was the opportunity to reconnect with my twin sister who we'd had so many lived and shared experiences, but kind of had divergent paths. And then to one day reunite at the same institution and to be able to pursue projects together, it just was this flicker of inspiration and continues to drive me every day. Mm, that's so inspiring. Um, Katie, how do you respond to that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was really funny when I read her grant, because as a physical therapist, a lot of what we do connects with the orthopedic trauma surgery world. So we see a lot of the same types of, of patients. Um, but my research training at prior before coming a clinician was really in sort of like uh, network analysis, social network analysis. How do we make the knowledge that we are gaining stick and work in the real world? And so I was really excited by what she was proposing and said, you know what, we really can do some transformative work together. Um, we got into the community, made some really good um, partnerships with some of the firefighters and paramedics in the community. And then from there, it really took off. Uh, it was exciting to, to work on it from our complementary lenses. Um, you know, she's always been one of my biggest sources of motivation and inspiration. Um, you know, I guess growing up together, you get this uh, real sense of pushing each other, but really wanting to support each other in the process. And so we have a really interesting dynamic personally, but then when we put that in the work, um, it really, it's, it's fun to work together. It's exciting to kind of be driving some things together forward. So I, you know, I always think of the path of, you know, our careers and, you know, in retrospect, it seems to be, you know, you can always tell the story. Oh, yeah, it was all planned. Um, <laughs> I personally, it took me a very long time to find my one. And um, I was wondering if, was that the moment when you started working together that this really solidified for you of what your work means to you and how connected you are? I, I think we've always been really connected. We always enjoyed a lot of the same things. We were, you know, we, we actually scored the same on our GPA, our, our SAT, our, M, our, you know, our entry exams for everything. Um, and we, we 
although we had diverged a little bit in our training, our, our paths had overlapped in different ways, in, including going on runs together when she was working on her DPT and I was working on my PhD and she was really teaching me implementation science on long runs, just getting me energized about this topic I had never heard of. And so we, we originally published our first paper together um, in 2009, actually, was on this idea of, what, what was it, Katie? It was something about... Um, Leveraging system science and thinking in the space of orthopedics. So how do we think about different systems level applications? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really, that's stuff. I forgot about that. <laughs> that really came from some of our um, walks and runs together while we were both still pursuing our, our training. And, and we also learned that we write very differently. So that was pretty, a pretty fun experience. It's, it's true. I, so so most of my work was in kind of the social and behavioral sciences. That was my PhD training where hers was more in the basic sciences. And so I would sit her things. I was like, this is really boring. You can, you know, dress it up a little bit. She'd be like, this is too long and flowery. And, it, you know, so it was really interesting learning the dynamics of different types of academic writing. Um, it was, it was really funny. Yeah. To see that sort of come together. <laughs> Wow, thank you for sharing. So two reflections, if you don't mind. Um, as you know, I don't, you probably already know, I think I've shared with you, I have coached endurance athletes in the past. So hearing you being able to talk on long runs is perfect training. You know, it's just exactly the way you should do it. But of course, you're athletes, so you know. And I will share something personal. So I had a brother who also was an academic who was um, in the arts. He was a composer. Uh, but he was, he had also another PhD in artificial intelligence and mathematics, applied mathematics. I always dreamed of writing a paper with him because he would understand my work more than I would understand his. That never happened. So hearing you actually being able to do that is, uh, is quite heartwarming. Mm -hmm. So I do have a final question for you. Um, and this is really an important one. I know you're looking forward to your career. You're pushing it forward. But I would like to you to reflect and share um, any piece of advice, each of you, that you may have for graduate students who are emerging and interested in uh, academia or early career faculty who are just starting or postdocs. What would you, you tell them? What is your piece of advice that you would share with the next generation of scholars? Carmen? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and do two. And I'm going to quote two things, which is speak from the heart and let the world say no. That take, that means take risks and be brave and be courageous to put it out there. And then the second one is lift as you climb. We all need a little help to get there and uh, reaching back down and helping everybody along the way helps everybody su succeed. And so really doing both that, that connecting and doing hard things takes courage but you can do it. Thank you so much, Karen. Katie. Yeah, I mean, I I think grit is the solution to a lot of things, <laughs> whether you're running a marathon or or going through a, your career. Um, I think I'll share from the lens of a mother. Um, I I I know, especially women in academics, are often told things like, you know, don't start a family until after you have tenure, um, or things of, of that nature, and um, as I have seen some of my graduate students start to become parents and think about that, I think the biggest thing is to like, remember that life is this journey and you don't want to miss the little steps along the way with your family, as well as progressing yourself. And there's this, I think that I believe that there's a space for all career and family at the same time. And so um, I try to live in the space of like, 
there's a new chapter around the corner and um, you know, what is going on right now and what is stressing you right now, just like kids, they're going to grow. Your career is going to grow. So it, it does emerge. I remember thinking, how am I going to manage this, this little infant <laughs> and get to work on time every day and get sleep and, and still progress my academic career. And then, you know, then suddenly they were walking and it was a different challenge, but also equally fun. And now my kids are a little older and it's, um, you know, soccer weekend every weekend and the challenges are different, but each chapter is new. And what was stressing me out back when they were little is it's not the same things that are really at front and center now. And the joys and the highs are very different than the joys and the highs of back then. And so I think it's really just thinking in chapters and, and remembering that what's going on right now that might be a challenge, you will overcome it. And there will be new challenges, but there will also be new joys and new, new chapters to life. So, um, yeah, kind of, I think just kind of trying your best to live in the moment and not letting things like uh, a lot of the things that advice that you'll sometimes hear that sounds like put your life on hold or things like that. I don't think that's it. I think it's really live your life as you as it comes and do your best to really make sure that you're uh, advocating for yourself and advocating for what's right for your students. Um, and then also advocating for what's right for your family at the same time. That is so beautiful from both of you. Uh, I am not surprised that you're so inspiring and so generous with your words as you are with your time. Um, and I feel so privileged to be able to work with you. Um, I really thank you for sharing your stories and your why and your advice for the next generation. Um, you are, you know, uh, lights, you are pushing the field uh, in the full and you bring your full personality to work. And this is what really I want to make sure we recognize at this institution. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate uh, you doing this and sharing your why. Thanks. Thank you. The Faculty Stories Tell Me Your Why podcast is produced by The Ohio State University's Office of Faculty Affairs. For more information, visit us at faculty.osu.edu. I'm your host, Patrick Lushwine. Thanks for listening and join us again soon.